Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Attention BetMGM customers. Have a friend who loves sports as much as you do? Here's a chance for both of you to earn a $50 bonus when they sign up through BetMGM's Refer a Friend program. Just sign into your BetMGM account and click on the Refer a Friend program to send your friend a message inviting them to register a new account in the same state you use BetMGM in. Once your friend signs up and makes a deposit, they'll receive a $50 bonus. And once your friend places a bet with their bonus and the wager is settled, you'll receive a $50 bonus as well. Share the excitement and get a $50 bonus every time you refer a friend to BetMGM. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Ohio only. New and existing customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets. Bonus bets expire in 30 days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Winning comes in all shapes and sizes. Every day there's an opportunity for a win, just like scratchers from the Virginia Lottery. Every day grab-and-go, every day giftable, every day fun. It's where anticipation meets instant gratification, and they're satisfying to scratch no matter the outcome. Like the new Virginia Lottery Scratcher Colossal Cash. It's loaded with $100 to $500 prizes. Now, that's an everyday win. Drive to the nearest Virginia Lottery retail location and pick up a scratcher today. Odds of winning any prize, 1 in 3.21. Introducing the Lowe's List for Innovation. While our aisles are filled with innovative products, we've selected our favorites just for you. Like the exclusive Whirlpool washer with industry-first 2-in-1 removable agitator. We love this washer because you can customize any load. And with other smart features to streamline your laundry routine, this product is a must-have for families. Shop the full Lowe's list of top picks at Lowe's.com. Lowe's, home to any budget, home to any possibility. U.S. only. Hi, folks. Welcome to another episode of Film Study. This is Ken McCusick. Joining me today for a Know Your Foe episode for the Washington football team, we're going to try and be careful with that this episode, is Mark Bullock. Mark, how you doing, buddy? Uh, I'm doing very good, thanks. How are you? Mark's from the UK, if you can't guess. Where are you located <laughs> in the UK, Mark? Uh, I'm down southeast of, uh, sorry, southwest of London, a couple hours away, uh, near a town called Bristol. It's probably the closest town that people will recognize. Um, so, yeah, a couple hours away from London. Right, very good. Okay, so uh, have you been to any of the London games when they've when they've been there? I haven't yet. No, um, I've been I've been meaning to get across to them, but I've I've always been busy, you know, covering Washington whenever they've been playing. And, and the one time Washington went over, uh, I I wasn't uh, credentialed to go across, so I um, I haven't been able to get over there yet. But uh, I do intend to at some point. Hopefully, during a bye week that Washington has, one week I'll be able to go over and catch a game there. Okay, and you you cover the WFT, and who do you do it for? Uh, the Athletic, um, the, the, well, specifically the Athletic DC. 
Okay, outstanding. I've, those are those are prime spots, very much in in high demand and in competition for those. So, <laughs> uh, congratulations on on securing one of those. Thank you. Uh, let's let's start talking about the the WFT. Boy, I'm going to have a hard time if you can. We, we, we can have a swear jar or whatever for this, but I'm going <laughs> to say it at least once during the show. I guarantee you. I'm sure. I probably will as well. <laughs> Uh, let's review the offseason a little bit. And uh, the biggest acquisitions in the offseason, obviously we want to talk about the draft a little bit in Chase Young, but but start wherever you like in terms of how the Redskins have, have done some of their rebuilding this offseason. So the obviously the big one is um, the firing of, of Jay Gruden and, and team president Bruce Allen. Um, Bruce Allen had a, a decade in Washington and was pretty much incompetent and, and led a pretty horribly run organization uh through 10 terrible years so um that was a big change they they got rid of him they brought in ron rivera who's well known for being a uh a, a top-notch individual and a, and a culture setter um and and so that's obviously the biggest acquisition i, I suppose um there's the change in head coach and the change in philosophy um and then they, they've they've done other things like they've changed um long-time members of staff that were big friends of, of Dan Snyder that had been there for multiple, multiple regimes, um, like the head trainer, like Larry Hess, he's been moved on. Um, Larry Michael, who was the um, vice president of media stuff, um, he um, was moved on and, and they brought in Julie Donaldson from NBC Sports Washington, I believe, and she's been doing a good job. Uh, they brought in Jason Wright to be the new team president of, of the business side of things. Um, so they've got a whole new front office structure, which is the, I suppose, almost more important thing than how they do specifically this year. That, that's kind of the foundation for building going forward. Um, I certainly agree with that in Baltimore. Yeah, um, and, and I, I think that they've, they're going in the right direction there. Obviously, the guy at the top still has a lot of questions about him, and he always has the ability to blow things up. But it looks like they've got a lot of the right people in place. Um, so that is the big positive for them. Um, in terms of acquisitions um, on the field uh, with like free agents and such, they they didn't do a, a, a whole lot of spending. They did go in heavy on Amari Cooper because they wanted to try to find Dwayne Haskins a, a target, but um, Cooper ended up taking a, a big deal to stay in Dallas, um, and I can kind of understand why. Um, the, the, their biggest acquisition was, was bringing back cornerback Kendall Fuller, um, because he, they lost him in the in the Alex Smith trade, um, and then he became a free agent, and they brought him back, and they, they really like what he's done, um, or, or what he can bring to the team um, in terms of versatility in the back end and being able to kick inside to nickel, play outside, play some safety. Um, but their other free agents weren't necessarily big names. Um, they signed a guard from at Atlanta, Wes Schweitzer, who. Um, didn't win a starting job. He he ended up um, playing backup, but with Brandon Sheriff injured currently, and I'm sure we'll get to that. He'll um, Schweitzer is starting in his spot. Um, they brought in Thomas Davis, who's kind of a a longtime Rivera team leader um, and and tone setter on defense. Um, and they brought in um, a, a linebacker from Chicago that was a backup, Kevin Pierre Lewis, who has surprised quite a few people and ended up becoming a starter on this defense um, and has played solidly um, so th that that was their pretty much their their free agency and and the the offseason uh, up until the draft all right and of course in the draft they had the the number two overall pick in the draft chase young 
Yep. And where were you on terms of, uh, and, and maybe what did the Redskins do in terms of trying to trade that pick? There you go. I have one for me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they, um, I don't think they were ever too serious about trading it. They were obviously open to offers, and if someone had come in, uh, if Miami had come in and offered them their three first-round picks and, and more, then they probably would have taken that. But um, I think they pretty much early on set out that they wanted Chase Young. Obviously, Ron Rivera is a defensive-minded head coach. He has Jack Del Rio on his staff and, and as the defensive coordinator, and Del Rio has experience with a lot of young top pass rushers like Von Miller. He was a defensive coordinator in Denver when Miller was in his second year. Um, he was the head coach in Oakland with the Raiders um, in Khalil Mack's second year. Um, so they... they and you know Rivera had Julius Peppers for the longest time, so they they know what a an elite defensive end can bring them. Um, so I think they were always pretty set on taking Chase Young, and and I personally was of that opinion that they should take him as well, unless they got some ludicrous offer from Miami or whoever to to trade up to get a quarterback. But I don't I don't, I didn't think that was ever that likely. So um, it surprised me a little bit. Miami was the team who had the draft capital to do it. They're also smart enough to know they weren't going to get there with just a quarterback sure so so uh, and and they're very patient in waiting on on getting Tua. so they did a wonderful job with that yeah i, I was I, I i thought that if miami were going to do a deal they probably would have done it with detroit at three um mm -hmm. because uh, i i had feel like they knew washington kind of wanted young and washington wasn't able to do the whole bring Tua in and and work him out and kind of pretend they really liked him to try to you know boost buy, the stock yeah. yeah bluff miami into into thinking they wanted him but um i i'm not sure that would have worked anyway so i thought if miami were going to trade up they would have gone to detroit at three and i thought there could have been a deal they could have done there but um i i i guess they they played a played a pretty good hand there by by sticking at five and getting the guy they wanted so um but yeah i i was always of the opinion that they should stick with Chase Young. I, I feel like he was the best player in the draft, um, and I, I I felt like he was um, the most impactful player, certainly non-quarterback, that they could have got in the draft. And with a defensive-minded staff, he, he, he's got some good mentors there, um, and it, it's the kind of pick that makes everyone better. He improves the talent they've already got on the defensive line, um, he allows them to only rush four, get pressure, kind of follow what mm. the the model that San Francisco did last year um, with Nick Bosa adding to that uh, big uh, defensive line unit. Um, then they could rush four, drop the rest, and, and play coverage and, and get pressure with the four, force checkdowns and get off the field. So that, that was kind of a pretty clear path for them to take um and it, it's the path they've taken and and i think it will work out well for them i see antonio gibson is already on the field getting a fair amount of playing he already has 31 carries this year yep so that pick has more or less worked out uh yeah he's someone that they really like um i, I think at the time myself personally thought it was maybe a round or two high um for for him just because in college he he had very little workload he only really came on for half a season uh, in terms of the amount of touches he had. I think he only had 30 carries in college, and I think he only had something like 30 catches as well. I, I, I can't remember the exact number, but it was it was a low amount of touches, um, but he was extremely explosive. 
Um, he's a he's a fantastic athlete, obviously, um, and he's someone that they are using as almost a positionless player in the offense. He he's listed as a running back, but he he lines up in the slot quite a lot, and they move him around. Um, not too dissimilar to how Scott Turner and the Panthers um, last year used Curtis Samuel. Um, and, and occasionally Christian McCaffrey as well, moving those guys around and giving them handoffs on jet sweeps and end arounds and little quick screens and RPOs and that kind of thing, but also some carries up the middle. Um, and so he's been a, a versatile weapon, but he's he's shown he still has some development to go, obviously, um, because he's so new to the position of running back. But okay. he has he has shown some real good. Um, some burst and some explosion which they they lack in the offense let me hold you up for a second there the in terms of pony backfield do we see some of that in terms of because obviously defensive coordinators have to respond to the, the package the personnel package you put on sure. not to the formation yep. so the question is do, do the redskins often put an additional running back as opposed to a fullback on the field with gibson yes that is one of the packages that they like to go to is um they signed jd mckissick was another name i forgot to mention the acquisitions mm-hmm. um running back who was a receiver in college um played for the seahawks recently and the lions recently um and they really liked what he's brought he's he's in the similar mold and they kind of use him and gibson in the backfield at the same time they'll motion either one out into the slot they'll sometimes put both out um and go empty so that is a personal package that they should look out for it's two two running backs as opposed to a running back and a fullback um, it, 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 sorry, sorry, go ahead. Uh, in like a in a twenty-one personnel, but with two running backs rather than a fullback. Yeah. Right. Okay. So they they do run some they run some twenty-one on the field, but they might make it more look like eleven. So if yeah. you if you decide you want to play base defense against that, you might have an unfavorable matchup against someone like uh, uh, the running back in exactly. the slot. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. That's that's what they're trying to do. Is to um, the the whole offense at the moment is is built around trying to create matchups for um for haskins to make it as easy as possible for him um and they'll they'll move guys like mclaurin and they'll move they'll try to get someone matched up um the number three um matched up on a linebacker um so they'll they'll move mclaurin into the slot they'll move um, mckissick or gibson um they've got another young receiver steven sims that they like in there um basically they're trying to get someone at three matched up on a linebacker and, and win quickly that way oh okay um, now, one thing I always like to ask people around these shows is about their developmental players. And when I say that, I'm not talking about the guys who are rookies or even in year two. I'm talking about the guys who are in year three, and you really got to decide if you can sign them early by just seeing what they have this year. And the guys who are in year four, who it's uh, Fisher cut bait time if there's a compensatory pick potentially in the offing. I don't know where the Redskins are on that. Um, it, take us through some of the some of the important year three and year four players. So the main important ones um, would be the likes of Jonathan Allen and Deron Payne, um, former first-round picks. Um, they're getting into that kind of range where um, they need to make a decision on those guys, but I think the decision on those those two are pretty obvious that they want to keep hold of those two. Um, then you're looking at um, they've got a young left guard in Wes Martin that they drafted a few years ago. They've got a young left tackle in Grant Christian. Um, that has been playing, um, and uh, I've not been too confident about him, but he is someone that they're 
they're trying to play young guys like him to see what they have in them this year um, and really decide whether these guys are worth persisting with. And, and Garon Christian is one of those guys at left tackle. Um, Tim Settle is another uh, defensive tackle that um, is in a similar boat. Um, and, and you'll likely see more of him with um, with Matt Ioannidis out injured. Um, he uh, tore his bicep, I think, last week against Cleveland. So he's on IR now. So Tim Settle will be the the third rotational tackle um, with Allen and, and Payne. Um, and then a pretty stout run defender. Yes. Yeah. Um, he's a, a guy that in college, um, he ended up on the ground a lot. And, and I, I, everyone thought he was like a, a second or a third round pick because he was very penetrative, but he ended up on the ground a lot and, and good offensive linemen knew how to pull him off balance. Um, mm-hmm. But he has worked on that and, he's a he's a big body i think he's 200 uh, sorry 330 pounds or something like that but he's pretty quick for a guy that size um and he does like to penetrate uh, and sometimes that can get him out of gaps but sometimes that can you know make the big play in the backfield so um they do like him um and he has been kind of hidden behind ionidas Payne, and allen uh, because those three are so strong but he's let me, he's let me ask you two questions about these guys before we get too far on this sure. so in terms of settle first of all how long are his arms i see he's six three but is he, does he have arm length issues at all because that's something on the interior that the ravens on the offensive line have struggled with but they also have seen how easy it is to take advantage of that yeah i don't i don't think he's a too long arm guy he's a, i think he's 33 inch kind okay, of that's, area it's very solid yeah I'm, I'm really talking the ravens have some 31 inch guys on oh, the inside okay. so it's really yeah. scary <laughs> okay yeah no the um the i i think yeah he will probably give them some problems i i would imagine the the starting to alan alan and Payne uh will, will give them more issues um but settle is a is a good rotational guy to have in as a backup and and you're right the 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 size and the, the quickness along with the arms um the arm length if if you're talking that short inside, then yeah, he will probably give them issues in that in that regard. Although that's not he, he that's not the style of play he usually goes for because that's I, I, I personally I don't consider that necessarily that long. But I guess for um, if you're talking about the Ravens guards are 31 inch arms, then perhaps he can go to that. It's on one side. Phillips is Tyree Phillips, who's the right guard, has 35-inch arms. So that's really that's really good. He's a tackle, yeah, yeah. from college. So, uh, but it's the guys. The guys at center scores right around 32, 33 inches, 32 and a half maybe. Right. And at left guard, Bozeman is is quite short. Um, right. And as may do, has played pretty well. I want okay. to ask you about Jonathan Allen though. I see he's entering his fourth year now. Did they pick up his fifth-year option already? Um, I don't recall them doing so. No, I, oh, uh, did they? I, they, I know they did. Yes. I think they did. Okay. Yes. For his first round pick originally, right? So they, yes, he they, was a first uh, round pick, um, 17th overall in 2017. Okay. All right. All right. Well, ter- terrific. Let's, uh, let's move on. I, I, I do notice in terms of cap situation that the Redskins and, and the Ravens, frankly, are both in exceptionally good position for 2021, Yep. which coming out of a COVID year, I don't know about you. I'm thrilled that the Ravens didn't spend a ton of money on free agents. And, you know, they have some contracts they're going to have to sign with their inter- their people that are in-house already. But I'm, I'm very happy that they didn't spend a lot of money with a COVID cap looming in 2021. Yeah, um, I, I don't necessarily think that was the intention of Washington was, was thinking. Uh, I don't think they were thinking that far ahead in terms of how could this virus impact the cap going forward. I, I think it was more of, 
uh, it's year one of a new regime and, and there's no real point in going splashing the cash on every free agent when um, we're, we're not sure on what we have in guys like Haskins and, and um, some of the other guys I mentioned earlier. So I, I think it was more of a case of Rivera was willing to be patient. He he knew that this was going to be a long-term rebuild. So um, they did go heavy on Omari Cooper, as I mentioned, but that was to try to give Haskins a weapon that, um, and, and Cooper is relatively young anyway. So um, that was to try to give him a weapon alongside McLaurin that he could trust um, and, mm-hmm. and, you know, give him the best chance to succeed. Um, but outside of that, they, they have gone very cheap throughout the off season and, it has set them up pretty well um, going into next year, um, when more cap can come off the off the books with Alex Smith's contract. Um, is is they, I think there's a get out in Smith's contract next year as well. So um, okay, they, so that's beyond what I can see on over the cap here. The Redskins are sitting at 50 million next year as is, which is fifth in the entire NFL. Yeah, um, and, and and they can get out of Alex Smith's contract. I'm not sure exactly what his numbers are in terms of what would be dead on the contract and and what would be um you know what they would be able to save on the cap but i know that they can there is an out there um and then they can save a significant amount okay all right well let's move over to the offensive side i think people want to hear uh, you know certainly about haskins and yep. and what it's been like to see his growth and uh, what future and usage you see for him so it, it's um, it's up and down. Uh, he, he he didn't have a good week last week. He probably had his worst week of the season last week. Um, the the biggest issues for Haskins has been his mechanics, and it's something that we've known for a while. Like in college, he didn't have particularly good mechanics, but he was still able to deliver some decent throws. Um, but his his footwork in the NFL has been particularly bad, um, and that he can he can either be sloppy with it sometimes or he just doesn't, you know, have the muscle memory to really demand he he does his footwork correctly every rep. Um, and that comes from inexperience. He only started one year in college and then got drafted and didn't really start much last year. So um, he, he doesn't, he's very raw in, in terms of mechanics and that kind of thing. So, um, that can lead to a lot of inaccurate throws. He he will often sail throws and um, miss people high, um, which can be dangerous over the middle, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's... It, it's tough because there is potential there and, and people pick on... Uh, people obviously point to the arm strength, but that's always overrated. Um, and... and when I evaluated Haskins coming out, I saw a quarterback that was more about a, a, a strong mental process in the pocket, and, and he was good at um, making the correct reads, going through his progressions um, quickly and efficiently, and finding the right ball, and then letting his receivers make the plays after the catch, uh, and, and being in time and and, and in rhythm and, and on script. And when he's able to do that. He's been pretty good. Um, as I say, his mechanics occasionally get sloppy and he'll miss some throws that he should make. But generally, um, for the for the first two games of the season, he was generally pretty good at staying on script and um, and finding his targets and, and getting them the ball that they could make plays after the catch. But the problem for him has been when he has to work off script or when there's pressure arriving and, and he he can't just 
do a natural drop back and then hitch and step up in the pocket and deliver a throw. He 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 doesn't necessarily respond to pressure particularly well. Um, okay. He will often roll out naturally to his left, which is a bit odd. It makes it more difficult for him to throw that way. For a right-handed quarterback, that's exactly. death, I always say. Um, and so he gives himself problems um, with that. Um, but... I had been saying for the first two weeks that he hadn't been making the mental mistakes. He'd been just inaccurate because of his mechanics. But last week he he was making against the Browns. He he threw three interceptions and he he made mental mistakes where he was missing some throws. Um, just mentally he wasn't making the correct reads in the first play out of the half. Um, he missed Terry McLaurin. He, he saw him. He looked straight at him. McLaurin was there was no safety in the picture. He was one on one with. Denzel Ward and McLaurin had a step. He could have quite easily led him over the middle or thrown it out in front, and McLaurin would have had a touchdown. But Haskins decided he he got to the top of his drop, took two hitch um, steps, and then hesitated and decided not to throw it, and ended up getting sacked. So it's it wasn't a good week for him last week, but that is the case quite often for young quarterbacks: is that they have their ups and downs, and and progress isn't linear. So um, it, it's it's something that I think he will bounce back from, and I believe in his ability when he's on script to process reads quickly and efficiently and find the right ball. Um, but his mechanics let him down from that, um, okay. and when he's pressured, then th he gets off script, and that's when things go really wrong. Okay, so what I want to ask you about this, and the, the Ravens just came off a Monday night game where they put up a whirlwind of pressure around Mahomes, they got they got inside the pocket a little bit, not a not a whole lot, but it didn't. Whatever they threw that was deceptive at Mahomes, he figured it out immediately. Yeah, and and so, you know, that's the Ravens' natural state is to try and generate pressure by scheme. You're encouraging me when you tell me that Haskins is going to have difficulty with some pressure and maybe make some unforced errors. I'm extrapolating what you're saying with that. Yes. Um. Uh. But he's is. Do you see the Ravens and the number of stunts they run, the number of off-ball blitzes they run, and the number of simulated pressure drops that they have? They drop two-plus from the line of scrimmage a fair amount. Yeah. That's something that would give him trouble. Uh, I don't think the simulated pressure will. Um, that was something that the Jets got him with last year, um, where um, they would quite often bring sim pressure and dropping guys and rushing four, but surprising with which four. But he made adjustments with that at the halftime, and he got better with that. And then he saw that quite a lot down the stretch because of the success the Jets had with that. Um, so I don't think the simulator pressure will um, have as much of an impact as the extra rushers. Um, and I think the Ravens can be as aggressive as they want to be um, because Washington on the outside, they, they don't have, outside of Terry McLaurin, who's excellent, um, and in my opinion, he's going to be one of the best receivers in the league before long. Um, Outside of him, they don't have anyone that can consistently separate against man coverage. So if the Ravens want to, they can play as aggressive as they want to, send as many rushers, and force Haskins to work off script because only McLaurin's going to separate consistently. Um, and, and that will, I think that will be the, the Ravens' game plan, and I think it will be a successful one um, just from how Haskins has played pressure this year. He, he doesn't handle it particularly well, and with the young guys that they've got on on the offensive line, they haven't. They have got progressively better through as the season's gone on, but they haven't been. Certainly, haven't been anywhere near 
middle of the road for an offensive line. Um, they have <laughs> surrendered pressure pretty regularly. Um, Talk about so, the offensive line, position by position, from left to right, if you would. So left tackle is, is Gron Christian, um, who they drafted a few years ago to be a backup swing tackle after they lost Ty Seki to the Bills in free agency. Um, and they wanted him to be the backup to Trent Williams and Morgan Moses because at Louisville they had a weird system where they would play their tackles on uh, switch sides. So the left tackle would play right tackle one series and left tackle the next. So it was a weird system, but he had experience of flipping sides. So they drafted him because he had exceptionally quick feet, um, but he was very light and they knew he was um, a developmental prospect. He was something like 285 um, coming out. So they knew he needed to put on strength. Um, and then they had a couple injuries and he had to play and he did not look anywhere near ready. Um, and then he got injured himself. Um, now that was two, three years ago, I think. Um, and he last year got to play a little bit more and again, didn't look ready. He's not strong enough. He couldn't anchor against any kind of power or bull rush. Um, mm -hmm. his hands were just not good enough. Um, his feet are still very quick because that's what his strength is. So he can match speed rushes to the edge but as soon as they get his hand their hands on him and, and convert to power he he just struggled so he isn't someone they ideally want playing but he has shown up okay the first few weeks of the season he struggled in week one but he's shown up a bit better the last couple um, obviously miles garrett is gonna beat most left tackles a couple times a game um, I, I think he he did okay against him he, he did give up a couple sacks and and, and garrett had a fantastic play where he came off the edge and, and stripped the ball out of Haskins' hands and then recovered it himself. Um, and, and that did not look good for Christian. But uh, outside of those couple plays, the highlight ones, um, he, he did okay. Um, but he's someone that can be got after, I think, um, with probably more of a power rusher than speed. Um, left guard is Wes Martin, who um, is almost the opposite of Gron Christian. He's a, he's a better technician. Um, he's a bigger guy in terms of, I, I don't think he weighs significantly more. I think he's around 315, something like that, but he's more of a, a thicker build, um, and is a little bit bulkier and better, more fundamentally sound against power rushes, which is probably better for an interior lineman. Um, but he is somewhat of a phone box guard, um, and, and if... If they... Wants to play in a phone booth. Yeah, exactly. So he he's not someone that can work well in space, and he's had. I expected him to develop better this year than he has, um, and he he has struggled. He's probably been the weakest point of the offensive line for the first three games. So that left side of the line is very suspect. Um, at center, they've got Chase Rudier, who they like, um, but he is he's. I don't think he's ever going to be more than. A, a good player he's the kind of player where if he's like your fourth or third best offensive lineman you're you're fine with that but if he's your second or your first you're you're having troubles um he's he's a fine center he's athletic enough to reach blocks he's uh powerful enough to anchor against um nose tackles he but he's not exceptional in any area he's just sound is he a guy that you expect the Redskins to try and keep after this year? He's in his fourth year now, I see. Yeah, they. Um, I thought they might have, but they did draft a center in the sixth round last year, um, or this year, uh, Keith Ishmael, 
um, who is a different style of player. He's a smaller, lighter guy that is more of a zone blocking center. Um, and so stylistically, he's a little bit different um, than Rulier. Um, so I, and I don't think he necessarily has the size yet to take over. Uh, I think he probably needs to put on a bit more weight onto his frame. But um, I think they did draft him with that in mind of they could use him and, and, and move on from Rulier going forward because I think they quite liked Ishmael. Um, I think they had quite a high grade on him. I think they thought he was more of a fourth-round talent, but they got him in the sixth, so I, th I think they were pretty happy with him. So um, Rulier, really quite a value himself. He's a sixth-round player they got. Kind of makes me think of Bozeman a little bit in terms of the value. Yeah, they, they've certainly thing. got good value out of, out of Rudier because, as you say, he was a sixth-rounder himself, and he replaced uh, Spencer Long, who I believe was a third-rounder. Um, so they they do quite like Rudier, Um but I, I think he's someone that they see as less of a priority than Brandon Sheriff at right guard, and there's only so much money they want to spend on the offensive line. So mm -hmm. um, they, they, they are probably more likely to try to commit to sheriff first and if they have to go the extra mile to spend on sheriff then they might be happy to let rudier walk and, and ishmael take over um so that center um right guard would be sheriff but he is out dealing with injuries right now so where schweitzer the free agent from atlanta um has taken over um he was meant to battle wes martin at left guard for the starting position but martin won that battle in camp um which when a, a second-year offensive lineman that was not a good sign. Yeah, beating a free agent, it's not a good sign. But but Schweitzer played pretty well against the Browns last week. Um, he's more of a an athlete um, in in a similar mold to um, Ishmael in that he he's more athletic. He can get out on screens, block in space, um, which I suspect they will try to do some of. Um, with the the guys like Gibson and McKissick that we talked about earlier, um, so he's someone that they that I, I think he can fill in for a couple of games. The 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 buzz I got out of Atlanta when I when I asked a few people um, that know the Falcons was he's a guy that can get get you by for a few games, but he's not someone you want starting for sixteen. Um, so he's he's solid depth, but I don't think he's someone that they want starting long term. He's probably someone that can be got at. Um, and then right tackle is Morgan Moses, who's been um, a long-term right tackle for them. Um, they drafted him in the third round to be a left tackle initially, and then they kicked him over to right tackle. Um, and he developed nicely there um, and looked on his way to becoming one of the top 10 right tackles in the league, um, and they paid him as such. Um, but he, since that contract, he's, he's had battled some injuries um he's played through them but he he they've had a noticeable effect on his play um this year he came in um into camp in a lot better shape than he has done in the past he usually plays at around 330 i think he reported to camp at 315 but that might be a little bit higher now um but he has um he's actually started the season pretty well as a as a run blocker he, he's been able to with the lighter weight he's been able to get out in space and block in space for them um but he hasn't he always struggles in pass protection because he's so big um smaller guys can often get their hands on him um and and get underneath him uh and he's not the most quick athlete either so guys can beat him to the edge um 
uh, quite easily. So he's he's a decent player. He's a good right tackle. Um, he's not a great right tackle. He, he's a he's a replaceable player, kind of similar like to Rudier. He's he's probably a little bit better than Rudier, but he's um, he's certainly a, a player that you could look to replace. But um, the, with the other people on the offensive line right now, they they kind of overlook that for now. I mean, it sounds like Sheriff is really the only keeper on the line, the way you've described them here. Uh, We don't hear a lot about the line in Baltimore. We're only 40 miles away, but, you know, everything's Ravens here and everything's, you know, WFT there. Yeah, they they had a good thing going a few years ago where um, Moses suddenly developed nicely and he built a partnership with Sheriff, a right guard, and obviously they had Trent Williams at left tackle. Um, and Chase Rudier was looking solid at center, and and then he was like the fourth best player on the line, which um, you're okay with. And then the only real question was at left guard. Um, but now, obviously, Trent Williams had his saga and got traded. Um, Sheriff is hurt. Um, the question at left guard still remains. Rudier is still at center, and Morgan Moses is still at right tackle. Um, but they have gone from being the third and the fourth members of the line to being the first and the second which you never really want that to happen so um, it, it it needs more talent on that offensive line for certain and left tackle is obviously the, the key spot there. Okay we need to probably go a little faster but that's I okay. love hearing great about the offensive line and I love hearing a lot of things but tell us about the wide receiver core a little bit we've you know we know uh, some but uh, but tell us what what else we need to yeah, so Terry McLaurin is your biggest concern, um, and I, I believe he's absolutely fantastic. He can win in so many ways. Um, he's quick. Um, he, he's fast, obviously. He, he's fast in terms of he can run straight, um, but he's also quick in that he can work in and out of breaks very quickly and, and separate naturally with, A, just quickness and being a better athlete, but also with um, some fantastic route running. He's a very, very good route runner, very precise, um, and so he can win multiple ways, which which makes him an extremely valuable asset. And he's someone that um, this year they've th- last year they looked to attack down the field with him. This year, because the protection hasn't been great, they've been looking more underneath and in quick game. And and part of that is because of Haskins is better with the quick game and, and part of it is the protection but they've been getting the ball in his hands early and letting him run after the catch and he's been just as good this year if not better because he's been able to break tackles and and beat people in open field so McLaurin is I think uh, a number one receiver in this league um sorry go ahead did, did he drop to the third round and I saw he's pick 76th here because yes. of his age uh that was part of it um also he didn't have he was probably the third target in Ohio State. They they had Paris Campbell and they had one other guy I can't remember. Um but they had a bunch of receivers there so the ball got spread around a lot so he didn't see a hell of a lot of the ball. Um and I think that was a particularly deep receiver class a few years ago. Um where he might have gone second or even first, probably second, um but he fell to the third and I don't even think Washington realized quite what they had because Jay Gruden, when he was drafted, mentioned how he was the top special teams player on their board. Um, so they they were thinking more of a special teams backup receiver role. Um, and then he quickly showed that he was the best receiver on the team. So um, 
yeah, he 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 fell be, probably because of the age and probably because of um he didn't quite have the production that you would expect a guy to have in college, but um he is winning comes in all shapes and sizes. Every day there's an opportunity for a win, just like scratchers from the Virginia Lottery. Every day grab and go, every day giftable, every day fun. It's where anticipation meets instant gratification. And they're satisfying to scratch, no matter the outcome. Like the new Virginia Lottery Scratcher Colossal Cash. It's loaded with $100 to $500 prizes. Now, that's an everyday win. Drive to the nearest Virginia Lottery retail location and pick up a Scratcher today. Odds of winning any prize, 1 in 3.21. Introducing the Lowe's List for Innovation. While our aisles are filled with innovative products, we've selected our favorites just for you. Like the exclusive Whirlpool washer with industry-first two-in-one removable agitator. We love this washer because you can customize any load. And with other smart features to streamline your laundry routine, this product is a must-have for families. Shop the full Lowe's list of top picks at Lowe's.com. Lowe's, home to any budget, home to any possibility. U.S. only. Certainly producing in the NFL and can be their number one receiver at the X. Um, outside of him, they have a lot of question marks. Um, Steven Sims was an undrafted free agent last year that made the roster and was initially just a punt returner, um, but then got some time on the offense and showed some real quickness. Um, he, he doesn't have the same log speed as McLaurin. He is fast, but he doesn't have the same long speed, but he is um, very, very quick in and out of breaks um, and can can shake some defenders in the slot um but he's a little bit undersized he's not really a z he's more of a slot um and then at the at the z position they really struggle Dontrell inman he caught two touchdowns last week um but that was more scheme than anything else um they, they don't really have anyone at the z that can really separate consistently from man coverage um and they they're they're not really confident in the weapons around Haskins outside of outside of McLaurin and and Sims offers them something but um, not enough to be a, a number two just yet. Do they have a significant financial commitment to Inman? He's he's obviously he's been around the league a while. He's almost thirty two years old now. No, they um they actually signed him in training camp after um they had another injury receiver. I can't remember who. Um, oh, it was the young rookie Antonio Gandy-Golden they drafted in the fourth round um, who they like but they knew he was going to take some development because he played um, for Liberty in college so he was a small school sure. guy and and they really like his skill set but they, they want to see how that translates to the NFL um, so he was always going to be a developmental guy and then he got injured like the first or second day of training camp and, and they had nobody playing the Z so they went and signed Inman um, and he basically, because he was a vet that had a rough idea of what he was doing, um, he basically won the job because he had no other competition for it. Um, so th- the depth at receiver is, is low. Um, they they did have another undrafted free agent, Isaiah Wright, um, this year, who they really liked, again, as a special teamer initially. Um, but he made some plays last week when Steven Sims um, has a toe injury that's bothering him. Um, and he didn't play too many saps, and Isaiah Wright played in the slot last week and, and showed a, a little something, but um, I, I don't necessarily think it's anything to be overly concerned of. Um, I think your main threats in, in the receiving game are, are going to be McLaurin and then the two running backs. Okay, so the, the 
Washington's had a significant amount of playing time from three tight ends so far this year. And one of the things I like to look at when I first look at a team is how many total snaps of tight end play that they had divided by their total number of offensive snaps. And it looks like about 1.3 per snap. So they're playing you know, potentially 30% 12 personnel or they're playing some 13 personnel as well to, to make up those numbers. Yep. Talk, talk, talk about the group a little bit. So the tight end group is a work in progress, much like the receiving group. Um, the issue with the tight end group is they don't have uh, number one. They don't have the Terry McLaurin that they have the receiving group. Um, they went out and signed Logan Thomas in free agency, uh, the former uh, Virginia Tech quarterback that uh, changed position in the NFL, played tight end for the Lions last year. Um, and they like what he brings, and he seems to have got a connection with um, with Haskins, um, but it, it, he's not a number one tight end. He's not someone that um, will cause many people issues. Um, and, and last week, one of Haskins' first interceptions, they ran four verticals from a three-by-one with, with Thomas running the, the crossing vertical, the over. Um, and Haskins kind of... It was a cover-three look from... The Browns and and Haskins predetermined. Okay, well, the backside, the weak side linebacker is going to sink back, but I trust my guy to go get the ball over the top of him. Um, but Logan Thomas didn't have the same explosiveness that they used to have in Jordan Reed to be able to run away from that guy, um, or the the same strength to go up and get the ball over him like a, a Travis Kelsey or someone might. So. Um, Haskins, the the guy ended up, the linebacker ended up covering it better than Haskins anticipated, and Haskins tried to force it and ended up sailing the throw to the free safety for the interception. So they they don't have a tight end that they they can reliably trust. And, and Haskins does like Thomas. They do like Logan Thomas, but to me, he is more of a nice second or th- maybe third tight end. He's certainly not a number one that you you trust to you know isolate on the backside of a three by one and and run you know the go or the the slant to to beat a safety or a linebacker um the way that they used to with jordan reed so um i I don't think he's a particularly big threat um and then behind him is jeremy sprinkle was drafted in the fifth or the sixth round a few years ago he's he was meant to be a blocking tight end he hasn't really become that um he still plays and, and it's been okay but He's nothing special. Um, and uh, the third tight end is Marcus Ball, who was an undrafted free agent. Um, I believe he played at Ohio State with Haskins, although I don't think he had much production. Um, and he is a guy that saw more snaps than people anticipate during training camp and, and made some catches. But again, he's, he's nothing to be particularly concerned about, and he, he's nothing that... Um, he, he's actually away. a 2018 college graduate or draft eligibility guy. Let's put it that way. Yeah. But he was a UDFA, and he has this is his first playing time this year. Yeah, I think he was on the practice squad somewhere last year. Um, not with Washington, with someone else. Maybe um, Oakland. Yeah, something like that. And and um, th- they brought him in because they they just have nobody at tight end. Uh, and Vernon Davis retired last year. Jordan Reed constantly battled injuries so they let him go um and jeremy sprinkle was basically their only guy so they signed logan thomas who they liked um they they did like austin hooper in free agency but they didn't want to give him the money the browns did um which i don't necessarily disagree with um so they they went with like an undermanned position and and trying to run with logan thomas and see what he has 
Okay, great, great stuff. I mean, I think that gives us an idea on the tight end room. Maybe uh, on, on the running backs, we've heard a little bit already. Like to see, like to see the pony backfield. Tell us a little bit about what we're going to see there. Yeah, so we, we talked about um, Gibson and, and McKissick um, has, has been their their main package with the running backs. Um, Gibson has been their their main guy the last few weeks, um, but they they've been behind in a lot of games. Um, so they they haven't been running the ball that much. Um, but Gibson um, has has been getting most of the workloads. McKissick comes in as kind of the the third down back he gets some carries um but he comes in he was initially signed to be the third and down back and then when they drafted gibson they they wanted to make this package around those two um where they can have either one play in the slot or either one in the backfield or both in the backfield and, and do some funky things there and i don't think we've seen the full extent of what the offensive coordinator scott turner wants to do with those two um in the first week we saw quite a lot of it with it was usually um McKissick in the backfield, Gibson in the slot, he'd motion into the backfield, and then they'd have some sort of uh, funky play out of that. It, one was a triple option with a handoff and a, a, it inside to McKissick and with Gibson um, working around the other side as a pitch option. Um, another, they had um, a passing play where they faked a handoff to Gibson up the middle and McKissick ran a wheel route down the sideline. Um, they They do some funky things like that, but they haven't gotten to a hell of a lot of it because they've been behind and, and Haskins hasn't been particularly settled um, so they've they've had to simplify the offense a little bit um, but that is something that I think they would like to get to more of and, and if Haskins shows that he can feel a little bit more comfortable um, then perhaps they will and if, if I, I'm not sure how the Ravens will try to match up with a, a 21 personnel with two running backs um, if if they feel like the Ravens linebackers can be got after. They they might go back to that a little bit this week. Um, I can speak to that a little bit. Um, sure. Cleveland plays a little bit of pony backfield with Hunt and Chubb. Sure. And it would be, I think it would be a similar situation, but the Cleveland offensive line is also very big and very physical. So they probably would like to play base normally if they thought they were both going to line up in the backfield, like like if there was a fullback and a running back. Sure. But when you have a, a smaller guy and one of them is a receiver, then you kind of treat it like uh, 11 nickel. personnel, and you might use big nickel to stop right. it. So, so you bring a safety at, at slot corner. Sure, I know you I, understand that. I'm just trying to explain. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I think they. Um, I, I think that would probably be the way I would treat it as well. Um, I, I, I've not seen enough of them as a running threat from that. Certainly from that package, anyway. Um, that I would re- respect it with a base front. Um, and be worried about the the running threat of it. I, I mm-hmm. would I would certainly treat it as nickel, perhaps a big nickel situation. Um, but I, I would probably be pretty happy to put even a nickel corner in there um, if if I had a guy that I was comfortable having part of the run fit. Um, I, I would be I would be looking to go with a nickel and and playing coverage. One of the things historically the Ravens done has been they've been outstanding, probably the best team in the NFL over the last 20 years plus in terms of stopping the run out of the nickel defense when the when the team is running 11 right um and and there's just they've always had two great interior linemen they've had the two great edge setters you need primarily Suggs and Jarrett Johnson yep. and they've had they've had great inside linebackers and when you have that core of players at at all three you don't have any problem doing it but this the Ravens team is now trying to refine itself in terms of exactly what they have and they're not the same strength i think they still have pretty good 
solid interior guys, but they don't have the they don't have the other players necessary to necessarily stop the run with six, and they have to resort to things like Big Nickel. They have done that some already this year. Right, Patrick Queen. How's he doing? In, uh... You know, he's been he's been very up and down. Had a terrible game against the Chiefs. Um, right. In the first two games, there were flashy games. He had a couple of great splash plays each time. He had a good number of tackles, and he made some bad plays and and didn't really wasn't in the right place in the run game a lot. Um, it's just he's very, very, very raw. Did not play a lot in college, and uh, while he's you know done some splashy things in the NFL, a sack, a strip for a fumble, and uh, you know done some other things, really look looks good in pursuit down the line of scrimmage. Looks completely lost if the coverage is behind him. He's got no idea what's going on. Right. Yeah. I I kind of felt I I watched a bit of him in college and, and felt like that was kind of what my evaluation of him was was. If he is kept clean and allowed to just flow to the ball, his athleticism shines, but um, he can get caught on blocks and, and it doesn't always make the right read um, with, with the run fits and the coverage, as you say, um, can play things in front of him and work downhill, but if it gets behind him, he's, he gets a bit lost. Yeah, one of the one of the problems against the Chiefs, I don't want to harp on this and make this a Ravens show, but um, he lost the fullback on a shovel pass for a touchdown against the Chiefs. And, you know, they were at third and five and the five. So it's a play they could have gotten him off the field. Yeah. And he's the only guy that's that's responsible for Sherman in the middle of the field there. And it might have not worked because they had linemen in the area. But but the fact that he failed on it really almost put the game away for the Chiefs at that point. It was their second touchdown, put them up 13 to three at that point. Right. Yeah. yeah. Well, uh, yeah. So the uh, running backs would be the, the main second threat for the for Washington's offense, I think, um, would be Gibson and McKissick. Um, and they do some things with, with RPOs. Um, last week, they, they ran a lot of um, things to try to get Haskins into rhythm. Uh, the first three plays, they came out running RPOs. Um, then All the way they, into the mesh RPOs, or do they just do it like a two-handed fake? Sorry, what was that? Uh, so when, when you hear when I hear RPO, and I'm thinking Lamar Jackson, a lot of the a lot, they don't do play action traditionally with the with the turn your back play action but they'll yeah. do a lot of two-handed fakes where they don't go all the way to the mesh that's very common yes and they also do some some two-handed fakes occasionally where they go all the way to the mesh and that's the distinction i was looking for yeah so they they do go to the mesh um but they that they, they, that's not particularly common the, 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 it was more pre-snap rpos um where they were looking um with a like a sort of a gotcha. swing screen to, okay. to one side um and um the handoff up the middle the other way and and it's more of a, a numbers pre-snap and if they respect the screen on the outside then they hand it off inside um so that was the kind of thing they were looking to run the first they they ran that first three plays to get haskins into a rhythm then they went to empty sets and then got mckissick on a linebacker and hit quick out um they they ran a lot of quick games things like um stick spacing double slants that uh, slant flats that those kind of things um that that is kind of what Haskins is comfortable with right now. Um, it's it's a very narrowed playbook. Um, it's a very um, simplified version of of what Turner likes to do. Um, and some of what Turner likes to do is the empty stuff um, because he has those kind of guys um, like McKissick and Gibson. And, and in Carolina, he had Curtis Samuel and Christian McCaffrey and, and Greg Olson, guys that you could move around and generate matchups and and force defenses to kind of show their hand are they playing man playing zone give the quarterback a uh, indication pre-snap and and then let him almost predetermine where he's going to go with the ball um 
that's that's kind of what Turner is trying to do here, um, and but it, it is somewhat limited, and it's it's trying to just get Haskins into rhythm, finding quick throws, and 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 keep him on script before trying to take the shots down the field, and that's where they've had more problems. They haven't been able to hit anything down the field yet. Mm-hmm. All right, let's move over to the defensive side. I think you've given us a very good uh, look at the blanket of coverage on the on the offense. What do they use most common in terms of base and pass defense looks? Uh, and I'm really talking about when the, when the other team shows 11 personnel, so kind of standard things. The Ravens obviously show a lot of 12 and even 13 as well. Yeah, so um, they have shown a big nickel look against 12 personnel um, the past couple of weeks. Um, they, they, they've they mostly worked out of nickel, um, but it has been nickel or um, big nickel when a, a second tight end's in. Um, and they've got a, a young rookie, Cameron Curl, who uh, they drafted in the seventh round, um, who was played a bit of safety, a bit of corner in college. Um, he's come in and and played some, made some nice plays in the run, um, and mainly played zone. Um, so I was looking, it. I was looking at his usage. Is he primarily then a slot guy they use as a big nickel, or is he really a dime back they bring in on third down? He's more of a slot guy that uses a big nickel, okay. um, but they, they, in terms of cover, see, it's an odd one because I thought they're bringing him in to match up with two tight ends, and I thought, oh, okay, well they're they're trying to play some man coverage, but every time he's been in and they've sunk into coverage, it's been zone, and it's been mostly cover three, and he's worked to the flat or quarters, and he's been the kind of curl flat defender, so he he hasn't been particularly stressed in in coverage. Um, so I'm not sure exactly what he is in coverage, but he's been better than I anticipated fitting the run um, as, as a kind of a big nickel. Mm. I, that's a that's a kind of a really important position with the read option being a threat from Jackson. So w- w- the other question that comes up is if the Ravens are in 21 personnel, which is another package they use a lot with Patrick Ricard, yep. two very big-bodied players, would he be a contained guy that they'd try and have in the game under those circumstances? Or can they not afford to do that? Do they really need to have a seventh heavy in the box? Uh, they... With the injuries they have, um, Chase Young looks likely to miss the game, um, and and obviously Matt Ioannidis was their their third defensive lineman, and, and he's being out. I would think they will, and you know, given the the Ravens' offense being run heavy as it is, I will think they will try to commit to Landon Collins, the strong safety, being in the box a little bit more um, than than they have been. They've been playing a lot of quarters coverage, um, so Collins has been a little bit back, um, and trying to fit quickly from deep um, which he's had some hit and miss with that but I I think against Baltimore they will probably try to play a little bit more cover three um, and keep Collins in the box to, to really try to keep the numbers set because when they've been playing quarters it's given them a bit of a, a soft edge um, mm-hmm. and, and people have been able to attack the edge and, and Obviously, when you add in the threat of Lamar and the read option and all the movement that the Ravens like to do, um, it it could um, lead to some big plays. So I, I think they will probably try to commit to the runner and keep Collins in the box as an extra man in the box. Okay. All right. Interesting stuff. Let's talk positional groups. Uh, defensive line, you know, well known for having lots of number one picks among yep. the pass rushers. Yeah, well, obviously Chase Young was the latest of that, but um, before that there was Deron Payne was the number one pick in 2018, Jonathan Allen was the number one pick in 2017, both from Alabama, 
Um, they had Ryan Kerrigan was the number one pick back in 2011, um, and he became the franchise leading sack leader um, in the first game of the season. I think he got past something like 92, 93 sacks. Dexter so. Manley, he passed, or who did he pass? Yes, yeah, Dexter Manley. So he um, he's the all-time leader in sacks now. So um, he's obviously still productive. Um, he's he's been better this year because he hasn't had to start um, um, because they've had. Montez Sweat and Chase Young that was the other one Montez Sweat last year was the 2019 first round pick um, and so they had four for five first round picks on that defensive line now and they had Matt Ioannidis who was a fifth round pick back in 2016 or 17 um, 2016 I think and he has developed fantastically I, I think he's one of the more underrated interior defensive linemen in the league um, and his pressure rates they're not Aaron Donald-esque, but they are not... They're in the kind of second group of elite guys behind Aaron Donald. Um, and so he has been very, very good, but so he's going to be a significant miss because of his torn biceps. So, um, yeah, they they the they have the five first-round picks and, and Matt Ioannidis and, and Tim Settle as well. Um, Ryan Anderson was a second-round pick um, and we should... I expect we'll probably see a fair bit of him um, against Baltimore because... He's not really a pass rusher. He's more of an edge setter. Uh, he's a very physical player on the edge. He's an excellent run defender. He he reads pulls and attacks them very well mm. um, and, and takes them on and, and quite often knocks a puller back um, despite his size. So he he's extremely aggressive against the run and, and very good against the run um, and often forces, you know, clo- squeezes the puller and closes the, the running lane inside. So he's someone that they... That, I expect we'll probably get some good burn against Baltimore, um, especially with Chase Young probably being out. So, um, yeah, they've got a lot of a lot of talent on that defensive line um, and, and some good depth there. Although the depth is b- being challenged this week with Ioannidis and and likely Chase Young out, but the the depth should be okay. Yeah, so Chase Young was not practicing today. He was at practice in a jersey, but not practicing. Yeah, he has a he has a groin injury. Um, I think the word is that he's likely to miss this. He's he's considered week to week, but likely to miss this game against the Ravens. So week week uh, to week is one of those where if he hasn't been out a week yet, he's probably gone for this week. Yeah, for sure. Um, I I think I believe they are planning to not have him for this game. And Rivera has been very conservative with him because he missed. Uh, he had a, a little hamstring pull or something the first few days of training camp and I think he sat out probably the first 10 days of camp um, when he was probably good to go after 4 or 5 but Rivera played it extra cautious so um, especially with Chase Young they will probably look to play cautious with that Okay, let's talk linebackers I, I want to start with Montez Sweat in terms of uh, you know what he brings and, and how he's looked this year Yeah, so he was um, drafted to be a 3-4 outside linebacker. He's converted to defensive end. Um, He's someone that I think people got a misperception of him in college because he was an exceptional athlete. He's 6'6", with 35-inch arms, something like that. He is long. He is huge, Um, and... Um, and he's quick as well. He's very fast. Um, he has a decent get-off. So people thought he was this elite speed rusher off the edge, but he's not that. He's He, he was very raw um, as a pass rusher. He was actually a much better run defender. I think he, in college, he, I'm not exactly sure how many, but I think he had something like 
20 or 30 tackles for loss in, in his mm. final year in college. So he was much better run defender in college than pass rusher. Um, and last year he was misused quite a lot. They they ended up the only success the defense had last year was with sim pressures. So they ended up dropping into coverage quite a lot. Um, so that didn't help his development as a pass rusher. Um, but he was raw. He didn't really have much of a rush plan. He always went to a little stutter set move to try to get tackles to stop their feet but he wasn't threatening them in any other way so tackles weren't worried about that um last week i actually wrote a piece that went out today as day of recording um about how he's adding rush moves he he added a long arm rush um against the the browns last week um where he can use his length and it's just because of how long his arms are tackles can't reach him um and he can develop that into being able to drive tackles back and i think that'll be a valuable weapon for him dictate um, first it, contact has he, has he been good at that or any kind of the moves that go with that like stunting and dictating yes first contact? yes he um he he can withstand that he um he blew up a uh, a crack toss last week um browns tries to run a crack toss at him with jarvis landry trying to crack him in seal him inside and he just used the the shove from landry to as momentum to work into the backfield and mm. I think he made a seven yard loss on the tackle on Kareem Hunt in the backfield so he's he's someone that um is an ascending player and and is certainly a lot better this week I think he's probably coming off what was probably his best game as a pro last week so um he is someone to look out for um other other linebackers um John Bostick um has stuck around as the mic um he was brought in last year because he was he had played in Greg Minuski's defense with the Colts a few years prior. Um, he, he's been solid. Um, he's made some flash plays. Um, he's kind of a guy that will take a little bit of a risk to sometimes try to go under blocks um, and back himself to get there. But he, it, And that works sometimes, um, especially because of the guys they have on the edge that um, force the run back inside. Um, and, and, you know, the likes of Payne and Allen stopping... Um, gaps inside that um, he can kind of freelance a little bit but there are times when he tries to go under and the run gets spilled outside and he can't catch up with it um so he he's he's decent but not spectacular um and kevin pierre lewis has been the other main linebacker that's been playing um he was a free agent from chicago he's been playing will um and yeah, I, I think he can be got after a little bit in coverage. Um, he struggled a couple. He struggled in the first week. He he's been getting better, um, and he's made some nice plays um, in the run. But um, the the book on him was that he was meant to be more of a coverage guy, um, and perhaps that will come as he gets more comfortable in the defense. But he has struggled. Um, they they've not given him the easiest assignment. Sometimes he's played some man coverage on guys that he probably shouldn't have to. Um, but he. When they played, um, uh, I think I said earlier they played a lot of quarters, and he's been one of the underneath zone linebackers, and mm-hmm. he's been he's been fine, but not spectacular. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, I I don't think it's a group that fills you with confidence, but it's also not a group that you think, oh no, they're they're going to get exploited every single play. Okay, uh, Washington been okay on missed tackles this year. I really don't know. Uh, up front, they've been fine. Um, the secondary guys have missed. Um, th- that's not necessarily fair on the corners. The safeties have struggled. Mm-hmm. Um, Landon Collins has had some tough fits because, I say, they've been trying to play quarters, so he's been trying to fit from deep. 
um, and that has led to a couple of misses as he's trying to fill from deep. Um, but Troy Apke has uh, the free safety, um, who nobody expected to start, um, but he beat out Sean Davis, who was a free agent, and they ended up cutting Sean Davis. Um, and Apke has been just missing tackles regularly. Okay. So he's he's not someone that I trust on the back end um, as a tackler or in coverage particularly. All right, definitely something the Ravens look for is to get their runners to level two with double teams, and then yep. they really have to they really have to break tackles because they won't always get that good combination block and uh, and be able to work up a level sometimes, but but not always. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, take us through what we haven't heard about the secondary already. Obviously, you've said a few things about Landon Collins and, and just now about Apke, but take us through the rest of the secondary. Yeah, so the corners are, um, have done better than I expected. Um, Kendall Fuller was their big free agent signing. He missed the first two weeks, but he came back last week. Um, I thought they were going to use him as more of a slot guy because that's what he was before they traded him, and he was becoming one of the top slot corners in the league, and then he kind of fell out of that in Kansas City. Um, but he played outside almost exclusively last week um so they 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 like him there and he he had a good game he had a good uh break up on a third down um he was working cover three but he uh austin hooper i think was running a comeback and he he read it well broke on it and broke up the pass um so i i think he will be a solid player for them um on the other side they've been using ronald darby who they signed from the Eagles, um, and and he wasn't he wasn't a Plan A kind of guy. They they kind of signed him late in free agency um, because they needed another body at corner. Um, and he he's kind of got burnt twice, but they've also kind of been explainable. Um, in the first game against the Eagles, um, one it was a good route from Jalen Rieger, and second I believe he had he was meant to have help or he was expecting help inside. Um, from Troy Apke, and, and he didn't get that help, so um, Rieger ran past him and caught a big pass over the top. Um, and then in week two, um, against the Cardinals, Kyler Murray uh, managed to escape pressure, rolling to his right, and uh, kind of on the scramble drill, uh, I think it was Christian Kirk ran by him down the sideline, and then they got a big hit down the sideline. But otherwise, he's been solid, and both have been very good at fitting the run, um, which... Surprise! Well, I knew Fuller was good at fitting the run because when he played nickel here before, he was exceptional at, it, uh, at doing that. But um, I wasn't expecting it from Darby, but he has been more physical than I was expecting. Um, in the slot, they've been using Jimmy Moreland, um, who is a guy I absolutely love. He was a seventh-round pick in uh, 2019. Um, might have been a sixth. No, I think he was a seventh-round pick in 2019. Um, and he's one of those guys that you just want to root for. He's a little bit undersized, but... He brings so much competitiveness, um, and he's always around the ball. He he got a he, I can't remember exactly how many, but he got a huge number of interceptions. He was a ball hawk in college, but he he wasn't one that was sitting in zone and and cheating. He was you know playing up at the line of scrimmage, not afraid to press guys that were five six inches bigger than him and and twenty pounds heavier than him. He he was in their face and and you know playing press and and making good reads and finding the ball and, and get, getting it that way. So he's someone I like, but um, in the slot, he has struggled a little bit at times with receivers being able to go both ways, as opposed to when he plays outside, you know, he has the sideline to help him. So 
Um, that's been a little bit of a transition for him. He has come on a little bit more this year, but still has looked vulnerable at times. Um, but so the Ravens, played... let, me, let me just toss sure. up, pick up Moreland for here a minute. The Ravens have really three slot options that you could see. You could see Marquise Brown playing the slot, which gives you that good change of direction skills and also the good long speed. Yep. Definitely we'll see a lot of Mark Andrews in the slot because he really prefers, I think, to line up as a as a standing receiver than, than yeah, as yeah. a tight end in line. Sure. And and then the third, who, who we saw a little bit from, and you may have seen on Monday night, is Devin Duvernay, yeah. a very powerful receiver uh, who's just a little bit taller than, than Jimmy. I'm guessing he might more, uh, Duvernay might be six feet tall. Right, um, more than this. I think he's listed at 5'10". Five ten. Ten. I, I think that's a little bit generous. I think he might be 5'9". <laughs> five, five um, he, he doesn't look 5'10". Um, but I, I think Moreland would enjoy a battle with Duvernay. I think that would be a, a bit more um, of a fun battle personally for me to watch because they're both quite physical players from what I remember of Duvernay. Um, I, I think Marquise Brown would give him troubles um, because of the quickness. Um, and I, I think more than would enjoy taking on Mark Andrews, but I think that's something where they might look to get um, Cameron Curl, as we talked about earlier, um, as a big nickel. Um, it, it'll be interesting to see exactly what kind of coverage they go for because they have been playing a lot of quarters early, but it's given them... Um, a little bit of an issue on the edge in the run game and I don't think they could afford to have that kind of issue on the edge against the Ravens um, with the added threat of Lamar and, and everything that they do so I, I I think they might commit to Collins in the box and, and play a little more cover three I don't know whether they want to risk trying to play man coverage um, with Marquise Brown on, on the outside, I, I don't know because um, they, they did play some man against um, the Cardinals, they would play um, one lurk or robber or whatever you want to call it where they'd show mm-hmm. too deep and Collins would drop down inside um, underneath and, and try to rob any crossers um, and, and they would ma- they tried to match up man to man with DeAndre Hopkins but he doesn't he, he is a different physical skill set to mm-hmm. Marquise Brown um, and, and, and Brown I, I, I don't like comparing people to Deshaun Jackson because of how good I res- and how much I respect Jackson as a, as a football player. Um, but Brown is the closest thing I've seen to him. So um, that is a very different threat and someone that I would want a safety over the top of. So whether they will commit to playing single high and keeping Collins in the box for the run with the threat of Brown over the top, given that Apke at free safety has given up a couple of deep shots already this year. Um, I'm I'm not sure. That's going to be the big debate: is whether they play safer against Brown and go light in the box against Lamar, or whether I think they'll probably lean towards trying to play heavy in the box against Lamar and hope that Apke has a decent day staying over the top. All right. I I always ask the guests pick a player you think matches up well against the Ravens. I may I may do it also, but uh, but who's the player you think on the Redskins? who could give the, the Ravens a lot of trouble? Uh, offense um, or I, defense? I think, well, offensively, Terry McLaurin gives anyone troubles. Um, that's just how highly I rate him, and, and, and people will probably say he's, uh, I'm overrating him at this point, but I think with better quarterback play, we'd have seen him. He would have broken 1,000 yards in his rookie year easily. Um, he got 975, I think, last year, and it 
Dwayne Haskins and Case Keenum missed him routinely deep. So he could have easily broken that. And I think he could well break it this year, even with Haskins playing poorly at times. So he's going to give anyone troubles on offense. So that's kind of a generic answer. I think defensively, um, I know there's some weaknesses on that Ravens offensive line inside. Um, Deron Payne has been good. Um, I've anticipated him being a little bit better than he has been, but he ha- it's not that he's been bad. I was expecting him to be very good in Del Rio's defense because um, they, they used to play a lot more two-gap last year and they've been switching to one-gap this year. And Payne is someone that has the quickness to penetrate as a one-gap defender. Um, but they have played... Uh, he has played well. Um, I anticipate him getting better as the year goes on, and he's someone that I think could take advantage of some of those um, new bodies inside. All right. All right. Fair enough. I appreciate the thoroughness of this. This has been terrific, Mark. Uh, tell us, let's see, we'll get your plugs in first of all. So you work for The Athletic. Uh, uh, Twitter handle, any other feeds you want to you want to Yeah, uh, Twitter is uh, at Mark Bullock NFL, um, and, and all my work can be found either on Twitter or um, on The Athletic DC. Um, yeah, that that's mainly the things I have to plug. Are you a good uh, uh, responder on Twitter, or do you find yourself like I, I don't know about I, I don't know about everybody, but Twitter is a huge time waster for me. Unfortunately, I'm kind of in <laughs> semi-retirement here. I kind of enjoy it, but not everybody can afford to spend four hours on Twitter per day. Yeah, no, I I, I try to my best to respond to every person that that tweets me. Um, so I, I can't always get to everyone. Um, and, and but I do try my best to get to the vast majority. All right. Really appreciate having you on the show, Mark. Uh, let me talk a little bit about uh, film study. Obviously, uh, next week uh, we have a, still a By the Numbers episode coming out that will be after this one. I'll look back at the Chiefs game and look forward a little bit ahead to the Washington football team in terms of some key numbers we see. Uh, and that goes usually outside of the normal metrics that you get in a box score. So uh, we'll hopefully bring you something new there. Hope you'll give that a chance. And of course, the offensive line article should be up shortly after this, if not before, uh, if you're looking for scoring. Uh, Mark, thanks again for joining us. Of course. Thank you for having me. We'll talk to you next time on Film Study. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Rootmetrics second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement. Winning comes in all shapes and sizes. Every day there's an opportunity for a win, just like scratchers from the Virginia Lottery. Every day grab-and-go, every day giftable, every day fun. It's where anticipation meets instant gratification, and they're satisfying to scratch no matter the outcome. Like the new Virginia Lottery Scratcher Colossal Cash. It's loaded with $100 to $500 prizes. 
Now, that's an everyday win. Drive to the nearest Virginia Lottery retail location and pick up a scratcher today. Odds of winning any prize, 1 in 3.21. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.